Hey guys, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and I am joined with Joe748 and BJ member Magician, whose real name is Stephen Bridges. How's it going, Stephen? Yeah, great. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, you're one of a very small group of people who I've been able to use their real name, so this is fun. It does feel strange, even though I know and I'm happy my real name being used. It's just a very odd thing to sort of admit on a blackjack and, and anywhere regarding Card County. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's it's uh, kind of like vulnerable to, to have people know who you really are in this community. Yeah, for sure. So let's get into your your story. Um, maybe you could share with, with us how you got started with card counting um, in and what you were doing before that. For sure. Uh, so, I mean, I'm a magician. That's my sort of, I mean, by the username, that was hopefully apparent. I'm a magician. So I guess previously I'd been making a living working as a magician. I also had a YouTube channel where I was posting magic videos and making a living from that. So they have an unconventional way of making a living for a magician. So I was doing that and I knew about card counting. I can't quite remember where I first heard of the concept, but I was under the impression that it wasn't a realistic thing anymore, especially in the UK where I'm from. You go into any casino and you'll just see CSMs everywhere. So I thought if these machines exist, card counting is going to be out everywhere in a few years. It's just not going to be practical. And then I came across uh, BGA videos and that sort of corrected some of my misconceptions. But it was only a few years later when I thought, hey, it would be really cool to give this card counting stuff a crack. But also, I really wanted to make a series of videos where I documented my process of fumbling through card counting. Obviously, there's been great documentaries like Holy Rollers, but most of these come from the perspective of an established card counting team or people that are very good. I wanted to give an insight into me fumbling through not really knowing what I'm doing and then documenting that whole journey. So I got in touch with, with you, Colin. And then since then, I've just been, uh, yeah, been really into it. So when you started this, you didn't know if this, this, uh, you know, YouTube series was going to be you crashing and burning, uh, or you having success with it or somewhere in between. And people are going to have to listen to find out what actually happened. <laughs> but was that a little bit like, uh, were you thinking, Hey, if, if this does really poorly, you don't have to put it out or were you committed either way? Totally committed either way, because I think people are really interested in the journey that I'm going on in an emotional, as an emotional experience, regardless of whether or not it goes well. So previously to this, I did a whole series of getting into the world of street performing, which actually has some weird parallels to card counting. And in that, there were sort of stressful times and run-ins with security and stuff. And, and I remember my audience being, well, just latching onto it, whether or not it was going well. So I was really keen to release this regardless of whether it crashed or burned. But I was really hoping it went well, especially considering, as you guys know, card counting is a tricky thing to pitch to people you know as a, as a concept. So my mum was just did not like the idea of it. And even my manager at the time was like, this is a crazy idea. And everyone I spoke to was a bit like, are you sure about this? Is this some kind of pyramid scheme? Or it just was something that people were really worried about. But I, I don't know. I had a, quite a lot of confidence it would work, provided that I could do it. And then, uh, yeah. You got to get this out of the way. Have you been able to just make yourself disappear during a back off <laughs> or a trespass? I mean, that's like a fantasy of mine to just be able to vanish into thin air. 
That would be great. I wish I could exploit my magician-y skills more. The only <laughs> thing that I think I have an advantage of is is rat-holding chips pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. But in all honesty, as Colin knows from when you tested me out, I find it really hard to not just sit and do chip tricks and fidget with the <laughs> chips in a way which communicates like skill. So it's maybe more of a hindrance than it is a help in that respect. <laughs> and what, what was your mom's concern? Just out of curiosity. Well, I think when I was a kid, I say a kid, Actually, yeah, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I was, I was playing poker online, just like free play on PokerStars or, or what have you. And she was at one point worried that I was addicted to that. So I think she was just concerned that I would end up having a gambling problem, that it wouldn't work, that it's very risky. And she's very risk averse as a person. So when people are risk averse, it's, it's a really hard thing for them to get behind. But I just tried my best to really explain in a lot of detail exactly how it works and the fact that it would work uh, to try and alleviate her concerns but uh she mainly was just really nervous the entire time yeah i i'm always a little more concerned when people have no reservations about it than when they have a little you know if someone's just like oh this is great you're gonna you know be rich uh it usually scares me more than if if someone's like i don't know you know is this is this something wise for you to be getting into so it's probably some health but uh did she come around or was she always worried? No, she's consistently doesn't like it. I think part of what made it really a problem, and uh, this this is maybe a bit of an unusual start, is my bankroll that I had, the way that this all kind of came about is that I was moving house one day and a friend of mine was helping me move house and I was just telling him all about this project before I'd played a single hand of blackjack. But when I was learning after I'd been to boot camp, I was telling him all about this. Just he was asking a lot of questions. And then after he'd helped me move, later in the day, he just shot me a text saying, can I invest in in you playing blackjack? He just immediately kind of under, understood the concept of an investor in the situation, even though I hadn't pitched it or tried to get him to invest. And he uh, ended up providing £200,000 as a bankroll. So I went from not having played at all and then having that bankroll to start with, which in retrospect, it was probably quite a bad idea because, I mean, surely dip my toe in the water a bit more before playing at, at high stakes. But I also was thinking about it in terms of make the most of the situation and the fact that this will be more interesting in terms of a journey for my audience to follow. But the thing which was a bit stupid about that is that this isn't like 200 grand he had sitting around that he could afford to lose. He's not just this multimillionaire sat there. So you know how you always teach that you should never, <laughs> your bankroll should be money that you, you could lose and yeah. it wouldn't ruin your life. Well, if I'd lost his bankroll, it would have ruined his life. Probably my, it would have been bad. So, Oh man. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise playing money that that's why we call it an investment. You know, an investment is, is something that you're, um, you know, you're trusting is going to grow over time, but it's, it's not, you know, uh, it's money that you can afford to have it go down, but, yeah. uh, what would have your bankroll been before or, or without that? Yeah, it wouldn't have been much in the way of, of a bankroll at all. So I was in a bit of a spot in terms of just that hurdle. And I, I wasn't really sure how to solve that. So when he offered it, I couldn't really consider turning it down and i didn't as i say have the common sense to think maybe we should scale this back a fraction uh, i just kind of went with it so yeah the other thing i guess that maybe was uh worked against us a bit was that i had a misunderstanding of n0 
This is just not something that it's still a concept I find really hard to like grasp fully. So I sort of thought after one and zero, the set, you know, after uh, you're guaranteed to be in profit. And so did my investor. So wouldn't that I be nice? fully understood. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it? So, yeah. How did you know you were like uh, good enough to play at that point to, or to accept the 200,000 to start playing? He just trusted my judgment that if I said that I knew I was doing, then he would believe that which is, and we, we've sort of been friends for a while. And, uh, so yeah, luckily for me, I guess he just trusted me, but for me, it was very important that I passed the, the online test out r- routinely and then actually got tested out in person. So I flew over to Washington and met Colin and you tested me out. And I feel like I was maybe a little bit shaky on that test out, uh, but then I also went, uh, and played, you told me to do 10 hours in the casino at just really low stakes just to kind of get used to the environment. And then I got tested out in the casino. So after those things, I was confident that my game was good enough, although definitely not perfect. And then I just tried very hard to play as, as well as I could. And I didn't take any of it lightly. I wasn't just like really casual about it in any respect. Like I did feel the pressure, especially with playing with money that my friend couldn't afford to lose. I really felt it. Yeah. Was there any point where you were just like, oh my God, I just can't do this. Like, this is not what I thought it was or. I think luckily I was, I had some decent variants and I remember watching back one of the, one of the videos when I'm editing it, there's a video that I've got called a day in the life of a card counter. And at one point I like have a losing session of about 2k and i i just on camera say oh you know sometimes you win sometimes you lose but overall you win more than you lose i'm kind of getting used to the the losses now and i just had to pause that video in the edit and just put on screen you're so naive (laughs) you don't know what pain feels like yet from this experience because since 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 then and playing in washington we've done a larger team trip and even just playing in europe i've had some you know days losing thirty thousand and that's obviously painful. And I think what I learned there is that I wasn't going to get used to that feeling at all. So definitely in those moments, I never doubted that it was a smart thing to be doing. I mean, always just like keep playing, but I really felt it and it, it was painful. And I think playing too many days in a row definitely could, you know, if I was on a bad run, it could put me in a, in a sad place, <laughs> but I kept going and yeah, very all in with these things. So. So I want to go back to to your training. Um, you know, I, I can't remember where in the process you reached out to me, um, but but it seemed like it was it was a while. How 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 did your whole training process go? How many hours and and um, you know what were some of the challenges? Just getting to the point where you could pass a test out. Yeah, that's a good point. I think I probably learned slower than than the average person, if I'm totally honest. Like, I'd love to say I was so natural, but I think it was quite tricky for me at times. So I think maybe I got in touch with you, Colin, around March a few years back. And then I think I came to a boot camp in was it October or no- November, I think. And only then was I sort of had I grasped, I could do flawless basic strategy and keep the running count and do tree count conversion. But my deck estimation was a bit shoddy and I had no deviations. So that, that was, I think I just wasn't training consistently enough at first, to be honest, because I was doing all these other things as well, having to make videos and et cetera. So it wasn't so much, it's hard to pinpoint how many hours it, it really was after boot camp, I then think it maybe took me, 
almost another year before I actually went and played. It's just one of those things that was in the back of my mind and I, I kept chugging along with. But I would I would try and every day would, would go to a cafe, get a coffee and just train on the on, on the online um, apps that you have. And that was really helpful. That was a real nice safety net, I think. Being able to get the instant feedback about if you make a mistake was, was key. But uh, yeah, I think however long the average person trains for, I think I trained for a lot longer just because it took me a bit longer to get the hang on, really. But I bet your experience with, with uh, learning or practicing magic tricks at least taught you how to keep grinding because I know some magic tricks can take as long or longer than mastering card counting. For sure. It's kind of funny that magicians will put so much work into sleight of hand, but when it comes to stuff that requires mental calculation and things a lot of magicians won't really touch that there's some tricks that require a great deal of memorization that they won't even look at so yeah having that persistence i think is in me because if i know that it's possible and i can see this is such a cool thing to be able to do and the the upside is huge then i'm really driven to do it and i'm not going to give up until i do it so that was really what what was motivating but uh yeah i guess busking as well is something that street performing is is a complete grind so that set me up nicely for the whole experience because you just have to do a lot of shows and there's a long period of time when you're not very good at it so i think luckily i was sort of mentally prepared to go into it but yeah i wish i could say that being a magician gave me a, a massive advantage but i don't think it really did so you spent you know probably a year and a half training because you maybe you weren't you weren't training full-time um yeah. clearly um and then you get to this point where um well you came to a boot camp that's where i first met you in person and you did yes. some magic tricks for us and we were all blown away um and, very blown uh, away oh Thanks. did we did, did we do an escape room together we yeah. did yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did right. a couple yes that's that's when i'd just been exposed to escape rooms and i was obsessed with them for a couple months i was doing oh, you should in, go in to every, poland every sometime they've oh, got yeah. so many in poland and they're so cheap they're great six card counters and a magician how can we lose i mean that's right that's right we, we couldn't we couldn't lose um i was just in uh southern california with my brother and then we saw a sign and i was like oh man i love these uh but there was like Oh yeah, we have an opening in eight hours, so we we weren't able oh. to do it. But uh, man, if if the three of us get together again, we're gonna have to. I'm crush so them. down for an escape room whenever you want. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> okay, back back to our story. You you came to a boot camp. You were you know maybe halfway done with your training. You because of various other projects. It, maybe a another year later, you got to a point yeah, where you, so. you felt felt ready to test out in uh, in person and how it was like was it an open-ended no it wasn't open-ended because you could only come to the u.s for so long so what was the plan there with coming to test out and start your kind of career yeah it was it was sort of slightly risky in that i had to just commit i couldn't just pop over test out pop back so i had to book a month so i booked a month in in washington state which obviously as you guys know is, is a great place to go and and, and start uh and then yeah first thing was to to meet up with with you, Colin, and and see if I actually could do it. So that was really, really nerve wracking, and I definitely felt that the that the pressure of that test out and everything, I, I found that difficult to deal with, and wasn't nearly on on top form, having just come from taking so many online tests in a row and and passing them. It was it just became a different thing when I was sat down there. So I was 
glad that you said <laughs> that I was that my game was 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 good enough to to actually go and do it because otherwise I would have been sat in an Airbnb in Washington training really hard to try and like get up to speed and I would have just had a month where I just was yeah not doing it or doing it and badly doing it so it was a little bit I was lucky yeah you know what it, it it's really tough because um you put in so much training people are really eager to to start playing but if there's any way people can gosh if you're like flying uh to get tested out you know man the more i don't mean a boot camp because often people tell me that a boot camp helps them kind of expedite their training you know if you get a couple things pointed out it's going to save save them quite a, quite a few hours but an actual like okay i'm here to be tested out uh yeah if you could be as prepared as you think you can be because uh, yeah, yeah it, I mean, I'm sure it's defeating to get dealt to and be like, oh wow, um, okay, I, I guess I wasted a trip. Uh, fortunately, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you had open ended, and you were close enough that that we met up again. What ten after another ten hours of table time, and and you, I, I don't, I don't remember the test out. Um, I, I remember where it was. But... Yeah, you had a loud and often come and test me out in a casino that's why so that, okay I, yeah yeah and then he verified that i was that i was ready in that environment so i, I got two tests out very i got the the ultimate vip treatment it's very well that's i mean normally yeah that's how a test out works is is a deal to someone for for an hour and then take them to a casino until we get enough shoes to see where they're yeah. see where they're at yeah it was very funny because we were in a really quiet casino and he just had to ask me these questions every now and again. And he deliberately was asking, I mean, he's a funny guy. I mean, he was just asking, I think at one point he asked me, so, um, how many bananas do you think you could fit in your mouth? <laughs> just like, so I, could, I was like, I'm glad it counts not too uh, high. Cause just like, imagine saying like 14, it just would have been really strange. So <laughs> it was a really awkward environment, but yeah, it was funny. How uh, involved was your friend who was bankrolling you during this process? Like, was he, you know, wanted updates on all of your training and like how nervous was it? Like, what was his attitude like during this whole introductory phase? He was weirdly stoic about the whole thing. He was just like, I trust you. He did want wow. regular updates and I sent him so many voice messages over the, the case of that, over the course of that trip. And I think partly because I had reasonably good variants I think I was above EV for the trip. So, I mean, how bad can it be over the course of the month if like, oh, I had a couple of losing sessions here and there, but overall they're balanced nicely with winning sessions. So he was fine and it was relatively low stress. It's only when we started playing, I say we, when I started playing in Europe and I actually caught some worse variants and had some of these, uh, a few sessions in a row that were, that were pretty brutal of like 10K down or so. That's, that's, when it was a bit more difficult, but he was always totally understanding. He, he seemed to just intuitively grasp. Thank goodness. Because I mean, I can't imagine having an investor that, that doesn't understand this stuff because yeah, it would be very tricky to explain to them that no, a losing streak is part of it, but he kind of got that instinctively, luckily. Yeah. And usually people don't understand. They understand, Oh, I hand you money and then you go work for me and make me money. But man, <laughs> when, when, when you hand them money and you go and lose it in a casino, uh, all of a sudden, yeah. you know, maybe they're, they're not quite as understanding as you thought. That was really, I would say, the toughest part of, of running the church team because we had, you know, a, a large bankroll and it was friends and family that invested. 
And uh, yeah. it's never fun to be asked by a friend or family member, oh, how's the team doing? And uh, yep, we're still down. Um, yeah. You know, because you know that that they're not happy about it. And, you know, when it's your own money and you get it and you've made plenty of money uh, from card counting, it's like, yeah, it's not fun, but it's it's a lot tougher yeah. when it's someone else is disappointed in you <laughs> and you've been working your ass off playing and getting <laughs> yeah. backed off and all that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the other weird challenges was just the the money management, because obviously I'm in the UK, we have pounds and to go to the US and, and just factor in the dollars and how much you can take without when, when you don't need to declare or whether or not to even just getting, getting the cash together. I remember going into, into my bank and I'd called them ahead to tell them I wanted to pick up this many dollars, which they said they'd provide. And I got there and they were like, well, we don't, we don't have that. It's only a couple of days before going and I really needed to get this, this money. And I ended up basically getting from them the little tourist packets that would have one dollar, two five dollar bills, a couple of, and I had to just buy so many of these and sit in the bank, unwrapping all the plastic and taking the money out, and some weird stuff like that I've had to deal with. And um, yeah, just just trying to figure out how I would have access to the bankroll whilst in the states, and somehow managed to open up a US account, and that made things a little bit easier. But luckily, I never had to go past my initial ten thousand dollars that I brought with me. So it kept it kind of simple in, in, in that trip to Washington. But yeah, it could have been really complicated if I'd had a bad run early on. So when you went back to Europe um, and you and you started to check out the games and conditions there, was there anything that surprised you as far as like conditions or the state of things? Like what was the, the difference yeah. there? It's a totally different ball game playing in Europe to playing in the US. Like it really is. I think that there are maybe a couple of advantages in that. European casinos tend to be a little bit more tolerant, I think. But the trade-off for that is all sorts of rubbish that you have to deal with. So one of the big problems is that the, the gaming commissions tend to be really good in European countries, particularly in England. So they're really concerned with money laundering and they're really concerned with like if you can afford to gamble what you're gambling. And obviously they think you're just gambling, so they don't think there's any strategy to it. So a lot of the times... I would get a back off and it wouldn't be a back off for counting. It would be for, we're just worried about how much money you're betting. And those, you just cannot appease that. They would want to see bank statements and financial info. And at this point I'm card counting full time. So I can't just go, Oh, it's from the casino down the road because that's just not going to fly. So they either think that maybe I'm, I'm a risk of, of money laundering, or maybe I just have a, a gambling problem. And so a lot of the casinos in Europe that I've been banned from are not from counting. It's from hitting those checks and they can happen so quick. In America, you can just sit down and, and whip out thousands of dollars in, in cash. No one really, no one really <laughs> needs, says anything unless you get um, CTR'd. But in, in like England and some other European countries, you get to that point so quick. And uh, the other thing related to that is just that when you do get backed off, I say that the casinos around Europe are a bit more tolerant, but they're also a heck of a lot more chained together. So there's in England, for example, you go to any city in England and they'll probably have a Grosvenor casino and maybe a Gentings casino, which are two brands. Well, if you're back, if you get backed off from one of those, you've lost all of them across the UK. So now you're out of a third of your options realistically. And, and as I say, then if you get backed off from the other one from just having bought in for £15,000 and they don't like that anymore and they've backed you off, well, now you've lost two-thirds of your casinos. There's a few independents, but most of them don't have shoe games. The vast majority are CTRs. If I wanted a shoe game, CSM. I'd have to go in and 
sorry, yeah, CTRs, yes, <laughs> just making up new acronyms for things now. Yeah, the, the vast majority are CSMs. So you could go in a place and ask for a shoe game, and then you'd have to bet £25 minimum if you're in the UK. And then it might take them half an hour to open the table, if that, if they've got the one table that you're going to get. And then the dealer might sit down and cut off two decks on a six-deck right. game. And then wow. what can you do in that situation? You, you've just get, kicked up quite a fuss to get this table. There's not another casino you could go to if you're in this town. Like, this is the one they've got. So a lot of it would be me writing down and making detailed notes about the different dealers in the sort of more local casinos I could go to regularly. But even that, half the time, you just have to have to go because the pen was awful and it's not worth it in the situation so yeah it really game selection is is a whole different thing and and just losing casinos based off financial checks is so common that it just makes i would always rather take a trip to america and play <laughs> i would always rather do that it'd be it would be less of a hassle to fly over deal with all the cash problems and everything and play in the u.s than it is to play somewhere in europe and have to deal with all the the faff that we have here because when you get backed off in the chain in that country, for example, it's like it's not like you can go in and play anonymously. Like, do they check your ID at the door? And yeah, and I should have said stuff. that actually. Like, yeah, you play rated absolutely everywhere. You can't walk in. There's very rare, very rare for a casino for you to be able to walk in and not be ID'd. And then if you are buying in for, I guess even a thousand euros or something like that, then you're going to. It's not something you can negotiate about the ID. They're just going to get your ID. So yeah, unfortunately. It's it's very much a domino effect. You get backed off from one place, and now you've lost a third of the of the casinos in in the country. A lot of the time, so it can be really tricky in that respect. You don't have to share the details, but did you guys at all figure out what some of those limits are? Uh, so yeah. so you could try to stay under under like limit your losses to keep keep a a store. Yeah, I came up with a lot of weird little strategies to try my best to get get past these things and. They, they do, unfortunately, it's weird, right? The gaming commission don't say to the casino, when a player has lost 20,000 euros, you must then check them. They just say, you must check your players. And if you don't do it, we'll find you. And they, they find them millions. So they, they, they actually are quite aggressive about it. So all the casinos have different rules. And sometimes that maybe a, a pit boss would hint to me, oh, you're getting quite close to, to a limit this month. And then maybe I would just leave and, and come back in a couple of weeks and hope for the best the other thing that was really helpful is if i would buy in with with packets from the the same casino so in in europe a lot of the time when you're getting paid out large amounts they'll be sealed in a little packet that's signed i can't remember if this is a thing in the us or not if they just hand you wads of cash no, no. so in in the uk it's like a sealed not even an envelope, but just like a plastic wrap and it's signed and dated. That's really handy because if you buy in at that casino again with that block of cash, they know where it's come from. So things like that, I would always really try and prioritize these little things where they knew where the money was coming from. Sometimes I'd bring a bank statement and say, look, I've just withdrawn this from my bank. Here is the signature from the, the bank teller and all this kind of weird stuff. But yeah, that was, that was the best bet of slowing it down. But in general, once you've won a certain amount, lost a certain amount, or bet a certain amount, they're on, they're on it, and then that's it. And there's very little you can do about it. So can we go back real quickly to your, what was it, six weeks in, in Washington? Yeah, I think it was just a month. A month, okay. And you didn't start playing just full bankroll high stakes right away, I'm assuming? I think other than the first 10, 15 hours where you told me to just do the minimum, which was uh -huh. a very smart... <laughs> 
piece of advice. Uh, other than that, I just dived in at often the table max. So in a lot of these tribal oh, wow. casinos, that would be their max was like five hundred dollars, and yeah. uh, I think it was recommended that I go just under that so they don't announce it. So I think I was doing uh-huh. two spots of four fifty on my top on my top bet, and then a lot of the smaller card rooms I think would have maybe have a table max of a couple hundred or two or three hundred dollars. Yeah. So yeah, I was I, I was going for it. My investors' philosophy was go after the money. <laughs> he was very aggressive yeah. about it. And then in Europe, in I can't remember what it was in euros, but in pounds, I think I was topping out at two hands of 650 pounds a hand. Um, so yeah, I guess that would be larger action than those casinos yeah. would see, especially in some of the towns. Like that would be the biggest that they'd had in a while. So yeah, we were kind of going for it. Uh-huh. If those are high stakes, I don't know where the line for- is, but... Yeah, I would consider those high stakes. I know for when we train people for uh, the church team, we once they tested out, they were only allowed to bet if something like two spots of two or three hundred, something like that, for the first I want to say forty hours, and that was like two spots of five hundred for the next forty hours, and we'd usually kind of check in on them there and see how they're doing. Um, but uh, at that at that point they, they could go for it, but we, we just knew it was kind of a lot to go from betting $5, you know, $5 hands to, you know, uh, $500 sure. hands. I couldn't help but think about things in terms of my rent. <laughs> Every time I'm like, Oh, there goes a rent. Oh, there goes a year's rent. <laughs> like it's just a horrible way of, of thinking about it, but that's the way that you sort of relate to the money. So yeah, I, I know a lot of car counters can switch off from, from seeing chips as being, worth anything but i'm always aware at least to an extent maybe on the smaller bets it doesn't feel like much but on the on the large ones it absolutely feels it and definitely times when i felt huge amounts of adrenaline and heart racing when when putting out large bets especially if the count's really high and you're losing because you know you have to absolutely commit you can't leave did you have like a uh, typical story that you would tell as to why you were here or where you were from like at these casinos yeah, so in Washington, I did, and I wish I'd picked a more boring story, but I said that I worked in um, in in creature effects, which is a basically I once was on Star, I was once in Star Wars, like as a they needed a magician, and I ended up being in Star Wars as like one of the aliens, and so I just took that story and just like shifted it a bit, and just was like I work in this, and but every time people would obviously want to know what that was, and I'd have to explain it in a lot of depth and they were like, oh, so it's for one of the tech companies around here. And, and uh, yeah, it was just quite elaborate story. Um, but yeah, obviously with a different accent, people are wondering what I'm doing there, especially when you go somewhere, some casinos in North, like of Washington, right. pretty like, they'd be like, why are you here though? And it was very hard to sort of explain that away. I just wanted to drive <laughs> in a direction and see what I found. And... Probably better to pick an answer that people aren't going to have follow-up questions to. Yeah, yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I should have just said um, I'm an accountant or something. Unless your cover is, you know, being talkative or something. But that's that's not always easy to do. Yeah, while sure. while definitely not easy for me to do while playing. Yeah, I do like chatting at the tables, but I, I often do wonder how much that can cost in terms of just. I mean, there's got to be a level of splitting your focus there a bit when that's happening. You just went for it for for that month. Uh, yeah kind of as, as high of stakes as you could play because you're limited by the table max and yeah. you're winning off the bat. So all's well that ends well. Yeah. Luckily. Yeah. I don't think there were, there were many situations where I was 
where I was in the negative. And I think by the end of that, I've probably think we walked away with something like $15,000 or something up. I think we had maybe a bit of a bad run towards the end, if I remember rightly, but in general, I was, that was like, for me, that was loads of money in one month from, from playing cards. So I was yeah. happy and he was happy. And then we rolled on with Europe, which was a bit more of a roller coaster. I just, I just keep imagining him doing like a Jedi mind trick at the table with the dealer and, the <laughs> and just like having them divert their focus. I did have one moment, sorry, just like a tiny little story is that a couple of the casinos knew that I was a magician because they just Googled me and it was unavoidable, and uh, which was weird. And the cool thing about Europe is we have this GDPR regulation where you can just get a company to hand over your data. So every time I get backed off from a European casino, I demand that data. So sometimes I get like the chart of what the count was and, the, wow, and things like that cool. if they have it, which is really funny. But um, one time a dealer told me, Card counting came up at the table, and this was one of my proudest moments because he told I didn't start the conversation, but I, I was interested. I was like, "What is this? Tell me more." And uh, and I and he was saying how oh they vary their bets and they do this, and I was like, "But I do that all the time. Sometimes I bet big and sometimes I bet small." And he was like, "Yeah, but look, trust me, there's no way that you could be a card counter whilst having a conversation. It's physically impossible." And I just felt so happy about that moment because <laughs> it yeah gone under the radar and yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, it it's hard to do. I I can't, you know, uh I probably more when I was playing actively and and uh at my best, but I'm very leery of of talking much, but if if you can do it enough that you just seem like a a gambler, that can definitely be to your benefit. Awesome. So this is going to be about the end of part one. And in part two of this podcast interview, we will get into more of what you did uh, in in Europe and with team play. And maybe you could share a little bit about this uh, YouTube series that that you're putting out. Sound good? Sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right. And if you guys want to learn more about card counting, check out blackjackapprenticeship.com.